My name is Dominic Norton, and I am the podcast host of Hackathon Entertainment, the show where we bring you the story behind every hack. For those new to the show, or hackathons in general, a hackathon is a collaborative 48-hour event where participants, called hackers, come together to solve the world's toughest problems. You'll be surprised, excited, and amazed with the solutions people are developing all across the world. If you listened to the show before, you'll be excited to know we're in for another great one. In this episode, I connected with Ben Foxall, the organizer of Remote Hack and a front-end developer at Obotica. In this episode, we spoke about accessibility, transparency, and how to develop amazing products. I hope you enjoy the show. So, yeah, I, I'm usually based in Oxford, but just now during lockdown, I'm over in Dublin, uh, which is kind of cool. Um, and, yeah, before I used to work in a web agency in Oxford, which was super fun, and we used to be involved in a lot of the tech scene stuff there. So we started up a JavaScript meetup, we used to watch conferences and stuff like that. Um, and, yeah, um, I was able to kind of organise quite a few hack days as well with some friends there. Um, and particularly in Oxford, we did this thing called Summer of Hacks, where we had a series of hack days over the summer, uh, like five or six, which we held for a couple of summers, which was super fun. Yeah. Um, from there, I moved down to London uh, to kind of be more involved in the community, so doing stuff with developer relations. And from that, I was working in doing quite a few hack days as a kind of sponsor and as someone kind of helping attendees build hacks. Uh, so I kind of got a different perspective on things. Um, and then since then, I've uh, moved back to Oxford and I now work in a company called Oxbotica. So we do uh, autonomous vehicle systems. Uh, so kind of self-driving cars, like super fun stuff. Um, and I work on the, the web team for that. So we, we basically build web tooling to kind of support the whole process and things like that. So it's some really kind of fun, interesting problems. Um, I guess, yeah, uh, some of the, like the reason you got in touch and thanks a lot. It's like, it's good to good to chat about this. It's like uh, recently over the last few months, we've been running remote hack. Uh, so it's kind of like monthly hack event, uh, just kind of very small, very kind of casual at the moment, but hopefully it will grow. Um, and yeah, so me and me and a friend kind of started off that. And there's, there's probably about like uh, six to 10 of us who kind of turn up and it's it's really kind of like, uh, yeah, nice, nice group. And it seems like a kind of cool format. Um, it's kind of fun. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> so I get. I guess a good. Um, I guess a good place to start is what was the inspiration behind starting Remote Hack? Yep. Cool. So um, basically, me and my friend Ryan, uh, like um, yeah, a, a really good friend of mine, we were chatting earlier this year, and so we used to run some events together, and I think we we share some quite similar principles and what we should be giving to people with events and why we're doing it. Um, so, and we thought it'd be really cool to, to do something together. And so we were, initially we were thinking about doing a workshop, uh, maybe helping people do something. And then we came up with the idea of doing a remote hack because the, 
before kind of like uh, lockdown stuff happened. Uh, so yeah, we thought it would be a really good opportunity to try and do this stuff remotely and see what kind of challenges that brings. Um, so we kind of like threw it together in this kind of like in this kind of like meta hack way. We kind of hacked together the hack thing, you know, like I think which is quite a common thing. So yeah. we kind of um, yeah, we just got a site up and like started sharing it, and yeah. uh, we've run two so far. And we've kind of, I think we've got the kind of structure a bit more down. And then hopefully from now on, we can kind of start expanding it a little bit. So you mentioned hack a lot. And obviously I know what you're talking about, but let's say someone who, this is their first episode, first time hearing what hack is or hack day is. Like, can you explain that? Yeah, totally. Right, yeah. So uh, yeah, because I think when you say hack to people, uh, they quite often think, oh, you're breaking into computers or something like that. Yeah, but, um, yeah I always think of it as a kind of uh, an experimentation, you know, like, so you can kind of just have a bit of a play, um, kind of test out some things. So basically, yeah, if you've never hacked before, it's basically, wait, that was that a good explanation? <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, so it's basically, you're, you can code stuff and you can kind of throw things together, but you don't have the same constraints as you would usually um, if you're kind of like working on something professional. Yeah, and um, I, I guess I guess the I guess the the core there is like experimentation, just put just yeah, putting yeah. stuff together, seeing what sticks, and you know you never know what's gonna come out of it. So, so, <laughs> so that's a hack. So interesting. Oh, yeah. that, that's a hack. But what's a hack day? Yeah. Um. So I guess it's, a, yeah, a bound, um around that so yeah because you can basically so you have a set period of time where you're kind of like free yourself to do experimentation and stuff like that so um it's it's quite a loose thing because especially with remote hack uh, on purpose we don't really have the whole um competition element so there's no kind of judges there's no kind of prizes or anything like that but obviously that yeah you get quite a lot of happies that have that um but then we've kind of got this our structure is we get together in the morning uh, have a chat through the day we kind of like chat to each other and like work on our products and then in the at the end of the hack day to kind of like round it all off everyone kind of talks about what they worked on and that's kind of like that's that's what a hack day consists of for us but then i know for, for other hack days you quite often might have like 40 hours of like staying up all night <laughs> building something which is like super fun for, yeah. for different reasons but i think partly with remote hack um we kind of we wanted it to not be a kind of pressure you know like everyone's under quite a lot of pressure at the moment um and we didn't want someone to like be working all week and then have to like work a weekend and feel stressful for no reason <laughs> yeah like kind of yeah so we're kind of like encouraging people to have breaks and and also like trying to make it quite lightweight so that people can kind of like dip in and out if they want to which seems like it's, it's working pretty well it's pretty to be honest, like the remote hack seems like it's kind of turning into a bit of a kind of like a chill get together where we build some stuff, yeah. you know, like which I quite yeah. like. Uh, so yeah. kind of, kind of like the maker spaces, you know. In in yeah. London, we have maker spaces. I love maker spaces. Um, in university, totally. my I as an architecture and construction student, like that was what we lived in the kind of maker the maker zone. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's what I love. It's what I love about tech too, and. Yeah, it's 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 a great environment, but one of the things that immediately comes to mind is 
Can anybody really build anything in a day? Like what? What like, when people come in? What do they leave with? You know. And and this yeah, is so for I people. This, this is, is for people that. Things, um, like, this, this is, is why the bounds are important, right? Like yeah. so, because you can basically, if you know you've only got a few hours to do something, your expectations are going to be lowered. Because I think a lot of the time when you're building a software product you're like you build something and like after two days you've got like 90 percent done but that 10 percent we get obsessed with you know like because you don't want to yes. release something to the public because you've maybe used a while loop instead of a for loop and you're embarrassed about that yeah. or something like that whereas like i think the the kind of structure of a hack day kind of encourages you to be like whatever you know like is this this is cobbled together and terrible but I'm proud of it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's kind of very liberating. Um, and you kind of, you get this free pass to do stuff however you want. Um, so we actually, so interestingly, um, um, we actually use hack days in our day-to-day -day work sometimes. So we've been experiment with this thing where we tried it a couple of days um, where we call it a fun day, where we basically have a Friday. And on that day, we branch off for master and we just build whatever we want, you know, and yeah. is is quite in is it's been really useful for us. So we only do it once every like couple of months or something. But it's kind of I think something you said before about with architecture, you want to build the building twice, like first design mm -hmm. it and then actually build it. And I think in our work, having these kind of like hack days as part of our work process allows us to do that initial kind of like steps into perhaps we could build it like this. Yeah. And then the second time when we actually build it properly, yeah. and it's like I think, um, like because and that's been working really well for us. Um, like sorry, yeah, tangents. <laughs> <laughs> no, I for me, I I love tangents. Tangents are good. Uh, and again, um, yeah. a, a slight tangent. I did an interview yesterday, and it was mainly for non-technical people, and mm -hmm. I tried to communicate this philosophy about hack days and you know get something done in a day. How do you, but obviously me and you, uh, we almost trained our muscle to kind of, I, I don't know, our creativity muscle to, to constrain, you know, we might say we want to build the next, uh, I don't know, autonomous drone or we want to build a starship. <laughs> How do we constrain that to a day? How would you advise people that might do your remote hack or any hack day yep. to constrain their ideas? So I, yeah, as I said before, yeah. So my kind of number one piece of advice is like to, um, to kind of like aim as small as you can. You know, like if you're doing a hardware hack, our aim would be like, you, you kind of want to make like an electric guitar that flies a drone when actually <laughs> you, you, what you end up aiming for is like turning on an LED, you know, like, yeah, and just yeah. like, and like, and you might hit that after like a couple of hours and then you can kind of do fun stuff. But um, I think it's, it's a much more healthy approach to aim for small and then like, try and exceed that. And it's like, interestingly, as I said before, it's like with remote hack, when we were initially talking about it, we had these grand plans of um, we will create a remote hack platform at the hack itself. And we kind of had, we we're like, we'll kind of, people will be making these apps to let people talk to each other. And then we we're like, end up like like what were we thinking you know like we're basically putting all these constraints on it and it's like let's just start a slack and get people in chatting and they can work on whatever they want and um, so 
yeah so that was i forget what i was actually trying to answer but um <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the thing so, yeah it's uh um, it's 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 super interesting and i i guess every the the common for is you know dream big right so you guys go into it we're gonna make this autonomous car to rival uh i think it's waymo or whoever whoever uber and all these these people that are in the autonomous car sector and then you realize oh it's very hard just to you know this simple thing is very hard and then you have to change your constraints. And I think where we as hackers have kind of accustomed ourselves, like set a very, very low bar for yourself. It sounds really bad, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. But it's like, I think there's, I think there's a, a huge skill in that, right? Like kind of doing something um, simple, but in a fun way is, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like you're a great hacker you don't have big expectations yeah. <laughs> um, maybe that's the sign of a good hacker the lower the expectations yeah. the better the hacker yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so with remote hack how do you successfully motivate participants especially since there's no um in prize a lot of people that at least a lot of people that i've seen they don't just want to hack and create projects. They want to hack and create projects that can be used for X, Y, and Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess the way we motivate it is like in the in our kind of start, starting session where we have a chat with everyone, we kind of, we ask a question like, what do you want to get out of this hack thing? You know, like, and so it's, it's yeah. more about what that person wants to achieve mm -hmm. rather than um, trying to... Uh, yeah, trying to achieve a, a, a set goal or something like that. So maybe that might be, I want to build an app that I can use at work. Like so the first the first remote hack, I end up building this planning poker thing for, for work because that's a problem we're having with, with going remote. Um, but yeah, but equally, maybe someone's goal might be to like learn a new framework or to kind of have a play around with something. And uh, yeah, I think so basically, yeah, the way that we kind of do that without kind of topics and judges or all that is like we kind of go around and yeah ask people what they're they're after you know like so yeah. and then the other thing is um we so we've got we do everything in github and we've started we've got github issues for uh, hack projects so the idea is that people can kind of like uh, if there's something they're interested in or if they see something they're interested in then they can kind of collaborate on stuff so i think the kind of transparency helps um and that's something this is kind of natural tendency um, for people to kind of be quite close about what they're working on. You know, like you want to work on something in secret and then have this big reveal and stuff, which is which is obviously cool, but then it puts a lot of pressure on that individual. And so if you can kind of be like a bit more kind of transparent and open about things, then uh, I think it is, it's a bit of a healthier way because then you can let people help you and stuff. Obviously, big reveals are fun though. <laughs> so it's like... Uh, yeah. But we've also but, seen um, historically big reveals, whether it's been Microsoft or Apple, go terribly, terribly wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so there's yeah, other there's ways. Yeah. <laughs> and you also you get in this kind of like bubble where you're kind of like you're feeding yourself like an echo chamber, right? Like where you yeah. think like this is the best idea ever, and then you're like you tell people about it and show them it finally, and it's not quite fitted because yeah. you kind of detach yourself from reality a little bit or something so just on that kind of uh the transparency so maybe i attend your hat day 
maybe I'm working on something for, I start on something for the hat day and I'm working on it for a week and, you know, I'm sharing it on Twitter and Facebook and, you know, my mom's seeing it. Am I allowed to work on other hacks? Is that okay? Um, like, of, of just, course, just me, yeah, just, like... just me as a person, can I work on other projects? Is this the only project that I have to be married to? Is it okay for me to explore other no, ideas? No, like, I, I don't think there's any, um, like, especially not in our hack day, like, whatever yeah. you work on is, like, your own thing. But then I think generally, uh, yeah, you, a hack day isn't, like, a contract to be building something. Yeah. In fact, it's kind of explicitly not that, hopefully. <laughs> you know, like, so yeah. it's, like, your, the, your day job, your contractually obliged to be building something yeah. <laughs> whereas like a hack day if you after like a couple of days are like bored of it or think of something better then screw it <laughs> um, yeah and I, I think that's a good um, mentality and you know one one thing that at least I want to get from the podcast is to one of the reason I speak to all the organizers and the participants from hackathons is the mentality it's the kind mm-hmm. of mad scientist mentality and we are willing to experiment with everything and we're really not married to anything in particular maybe we do work in stuff in secret and maybe that's something we have to improve but we're not married to anything and i think that's a that's a great mentality especially when you talk about creativity you know you might be painting something one day and wake up tomorrow and say yeah i don't like this i'm gonna do this yep totally um, I think it's it, yeah, it is interesting. It's like it's I think it's a mentality that I've shared with a lot of people that I've met at hackathons and hack days and talked to to the tech industry. But there's there's not necessarily a locked reason why that should be constrained to tech stuff. You know, like so, like one of the things we had a, a hack day in in Oxford, and um, I was encouraging my friend to come along, even though he's never done any development. But just to kind of like to write, like to put together a petition, or you know, like or kind of or to kind of email someone, you know, <laughs> you know like that's like that. You can apply that mentality to non, um, yeah, non tech based stuff or something. Um, yeah. And I, I think there's something. It'd be really cool to be able to capture that a bit yeah. more and, and let other people share. And and uh, that's what that's what at least in conversations with people like you, I'm trying to investigate what is at the core here? Like, what is, mm. what is it about us as hackers, as organizers, as participants, and people that go to hackathons that, that we can, it's the, it's the philosophy. What, what is it about, like, where does that even come from? Is that innate to the industry? Uh, maybe it is, maybe it's not. I'm, I'm, it's, it's something that I'm still personally trying to investigate and trying to understand. Yeah, no, I, yeah. Um, it's, uh, good luck. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, like it's, 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 a, it's a cool thing to be able to understand. I think, yeah, I think the, one of the things that, like, uh, you mentioned creativity quite a lot, you know, like, yeah. and it's like, I think, um, two of the aspects which kind of fit with creativity in Hack Days is uh, the idea of constraint, because I, I think creativity under constraint is a lot like a lot more powerful and then the other thing is having a, a creative outlet you know like so yeah. i think that's a really kind of important thing about hack day is that that final thing where you, you're encouraged to share with other people i think that gives 
someone a way of expressing themselves you know like because it's like you could spend you could spend like a week writing the coolest thing that's done and if you don't share that if you don't kind of discuss it with someone else then you kind of um you've not kind of fulfilled the whole kind of creative cycle you know like so yeah. um and i think that's that's something that is is really worthwhile and it's like i think and yeah so obviously this creative side and also with hack days a big challenge is like the social side of it like how to kind of let people interact how to kind of like actually let people change your stuff um and be open to changes yeah um and i think creativity and social sides are like the kind of two very important things but to an outsider of the tech industry they wouldn't necessarily associate those two properties with the tech industry right like whereas it, it is absolutely <laughs> like it's like yeah. every day we're kind of creating stuff so yeah i think it's um it's an interesting one. Yeah. And maybe those are three things that I kind of want to try and explore more because just mm -hmm. thinking about when you're saying it, there's projects I do outside of hackathons that kind of just, they progress, but they don't really progress a whole lot because there's no constraints. You know, I have no time frame. you know, I can use whatever languages I want to use because I'm, it's just yeah. me and I'm not, I'm not constrained by being in a team and other people have to work on this too. So why, in your opinion, are the constraints important? Um, there's a great quote, and I can't quite remember <laughs> what word, but it's like, um, so Tchaikovsky, the, the musician guy, yeah. <laughs> has this quote, uh, which is like about constraints. And I think to me, it sums up things really well. And it's basically, um, it, it says, constraints aren't necessarily a barrier to creativity they kind of push you forward so you can kind of fill the gaps between them and um and it's something i think i hear a lot in different in different projects and different um kind of yeah, yeah just talking to people it's like i think having oh god sorry i'm going around in circles here <laughs> basically yeah having uh having something to kind of push up against forces you to innovate a little bit yeah. and and as you say like kind of it it stops that thing of like should i be writing this in a different language or should i be doing this in uh like using a different kind of entirely different system and it's like because the answer to that is like no whatever i don't i don't know yeah. it's like you don't it doesn't really matter <laughs> you yeah. know like it's like um yeah and sh yeah. is that scary? Should should you be scared of the constraints? For example, the hat day might be a time constraint, mm. or it might be a skill constraint. Should I be scared, or should hackers or people in the non tech industry be scared of those different constraints? Um, like no, I guess like I guess I guess with practice, you come to embrace it. You know, like, I think, because, um, yeah, I think especially people who are, kind of, like, seasoned hackathons or hackers or stuff like that, like, they even getting comfortable with, like, showing stuff that's, like, half done, you know, like, uh, I think is, is in a way embracing this idea of just, like, I'm going to show you this thing and it might not work, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, um, yeah. So, yeah, I'd say, like, it's not something to be scared of, it's something to embrace. Yeah. Um, and and something to kind of yeah have fun with. 
But then I think to someone who's coming to their first hackathon for the first time, I think that can be super daunting and intimidating. Uh, but, and so, so actually something that I, right. Something that I've found in the past is when someone's scared of something, when someone's like kind of, um, worried about speaking in front of people, I like to think that the physical sensation of fear is very similar to the physical sensation of excitement. Hmm. So basically when you're feeling this kind of like, Oh God, I'm really scared about showing this to everyone. You can kind of like trick yourself into thinking like, I'm really excited about <laughs> showing this to everyone. You're like, yeah. you've got like the same kind of like the same, the tenseness, but yeah. then it kind of changes your, your behavior towards it or something yeah. like that. So I think that's, that's something that I try and like, and then with, especially with physical hack events, or held, it's like, you try and like, you try and help people loop into that, you know, like, so kind yeah. of be like, this is great. It doesn't work at all. <laughs> yeah. know, like, it's like, a, oh. it's so exciting. So, that, yeah. that is a, you know, that's an amazing way to think of it. I think about, you know, the cartoons that I used to watch growing up and, you know, the scientists, something will go wrong and the sign and, you know, the assistant will be like, oh no, it's gone wrong. And the scientist says, no, no, this is perfect. You know, <laughs> or, you know, back to the future and, you know, something will go wrong and Doc would just be like, no, this is how it was meant to go. <laughs> yeah, you know? Totally, totally, totally. So. Just rolling with it. Yeah. No, that's that's yeah. super interesting. And I guess the next, on your little free of uh, constraints, outlets and social, the next thing is outlet. And that for me, for me especially, that's big. Being able, because we are married to a lot of the projects, especially if they're more personal, you know, Maybe, I don't know, someone's inspired to do a project because of homelessness, because they were homeless, you know, as a teenager. And it's so close to their heart that they don't want to show people or they don't want to let people impact and touch the project. How how do you overcome that kind of... Uh, is it, I, don't, I don't know what that emotion is, but how do you overcome that? Sorry, over, how do you overcome connection with the subject that you're hacking on? Or? Yeah, so we want transparency, right? We want to show the projects and kind of just really not have a fear of just keeping it in our pocket the whole time or create. Mm -hmm. I've created projects and never released projects for whatever mm -hmm. reason. In my personal life, I believe there's something there stopping me. I don't know what it is. And maybe you spoke a little bit about transparency and being willing to be transparent. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, I worked on a project a few years ago and um, it was a real turning point for me. And it was, uh, we were building this this kind of, this website, a kind of series of websites. And um, as a developer, Someone, let me start this again. I was doing this thing uh, a few years ago, working on the site, and um, the person who was leading the project said, uh, let's just, the designers want to change the colors, let's just let them tweak the CSS. And my gut feeling about that was like shock. I was just like, I can't let someone else, especially a designer, touch my code or whatever like that. Um, but I, like this person who's leading the project, like kind of, 
encouraged, like said, like, it's far better for you to not be the person who solves that problem because you don't actually care about it. <laughs> you know, like, it's yeah. like, it's like a designer cares a lot maybe about what color um, a button is or how round the edges are. Yeah. And I become the, I don't want to become the bottleneck for them. So if I can be open about it and kind of say, I'll give you, I will provide you yeah. the means to do what you want to do, then that's huge. But then it's, it, it's kind of counter to the way that we kind of think sometimes i think in as developers uh, you kind of it, you tend to be quite, kind of quite closed and quite kind of protective about the stuff that you yeah. you want and it i think that isn't a very kind of like natural feeling but if you can kind of um yeah if you're able to kind of build stuff in a way that other people can kind of hook into it and, and mess with it then i think it can be quite useful. I don't know if that actually answered what you were asking. I guess my question was rather not like a direct question, more just like a topic for us to talk about. Mm. Ah, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, and, cool, cool. Uh, no, it's because it's, I, I do get that feeling too. And the note I made, and again, even though I'm asking it as a question, it's more just something to talk about. Is it possible... Mm. For people to care about components of the project's project more than you. For example, you spoke about the CSS. You, you might have founded, I don't know, this. I'm not sure we should stick with the company you're working on. Let's say autonomous drones. You might have founded this company to do with autonomous drones. And you know, you're, for whatever reason, you have this grand vision, you have this story, and you really, really care about this project. And at least what I got from what you just said you can care about the project, let's say, the most out of everybody, but somebody can care about this one small piece of the autonomous drone a lot more than you. Is that possible? Mm -hmm. Yeah, potentially, yeah. I yeah. mean, that's, yeah. Um, I guess with hooking into, like, transparency and openness, it's like, because in that scenario, you've got two options. One, you can kind of, like, you can hear what they want and then change, make the change yourself yeah. uh, or you can try and build your tooling in an open way that they're able to make that change themselves yeah um and i think um yeah enabling stuff enabling people to do stuff is a really kind of a very potentially powerful thing to do um because it prevents you from being bottleneck and i think i think hack hack events and the topics that people do it's, it's a very kind of like a key property of a tech stack is that it's kind of hackable um, and that people, it's like flexible enough for people to do stuff that they want to do with it yeah. um, rather than them trying to fit into what you want. Um, yeah, because I think I've actually had this in, in hack events in the past. I think I've, I've kind of gone into it, think sometimes mistakenly thinking, I'll, I'll, I'll bring this system, like this tool I've, I've got, I've built this library and these things, and I'll make a hack bay that everyone can use this library. And I think, I think that's sometimes the wrong approach. Like it can be a good approach if people want to learn about that library, but it can be a wrong approach if you're trying to force people into doing something in a particular way, you know, like, so um, it's quite, quite often like, like technology, like in libraries and tools, right? Like, if you think of them as like, in terms of regular tools, if if something was really awkward, if you had a spanner that you had to like, spend 
20 minutes adjusting and fixing before you could use it it's a rubbish spanner you know like it's like don't use it whereas like i think with tech it's like we kind of like slip into this this thing where we kind of accept this complexity as if it's normal and and fine whereas um making if if a tech isn't easy to use and pick up then don't bother really (laughs) i don't know yeah. And so I guess there's two immediate things that come to my mind. Do you think that's a pride when it comes to complexity? Do you think that's a pride part on us as technologists? Like we, I for whatever reason, we take pride in making complex things. Is is that fair to say? Uh, totally. <laughs> like, sorry, sorry. I guess I, I know this is a podcast, but I'm obviously like nodding so enthusiastically at that. It's like I think, um, yeah, pride gets in the way so much, right? Like, and and I think I particularly have to battle with this, like almost on a daily basis, like kind of like trying to take constructive criticism so I can move forward or something like that. You know, like, and I think, um, yeah, we. I think it can be really disheartening if someone takes something that you built and changes it to be something that's not quite what you intended. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, with the whole kind of topic of what you're exploring, I think socially we're, we're trying to be supportive of this kind of thing, right? Like this kind of like flexibility and openness and, and kind of, it doesn't matter if someone's like, taken your code and taken like and ripped out half of it <laughs> like it's like it's kind of um yeah it's quite liberating that's yeah and um to touch on kind of i guess you spoke about the bo- bottleneck a couple times and mm. it makes me think about projects i've done and hacks i've done and maybe i have been the bottleneck or pro- stuff i've started and i'm thinking the problems of other people and I've actually been the bottleneck because, like you said, I'm not building in a way that lots of people can contribute. I'm not building mm. in a way where it's easy for a lot of people. And maybe maybe this is the same thing throughout. I guess it could be throughout the industry, right? I, I always question myself and I'm like, why aren't more non-tech people involved in tech? And maybe it's us as tech people being the bottleneck to to you know real innovation rather than just tech innovation yeah like absolutely i think i mean part of this comes down to like accessibility but not accessibility for the people using the thing that you're building (laughs) but accessibility for people who are building the thing that you're building you know like so um something um something i've heard of recently is like um a kind of a good goal for uh if you're building a project is to have it be able to be spun up by a single command, you know, like, and I think rather than, I think quite a lot of the projects I come on to is it's like, okay, you've got these 15 steps and if you hit any problems then just ping me on site, you know, like, and, yeah. and that's, that's a good time because it's like other times it just won't be documented. Yeah. <laughs> like that. So it's like, I think, um, yeah, when you're, when you're, when you're hacking something for a hack day, you're kind of, you're, your focus is on what that provides for someone else. So like what, what, like this hack will let someone draw a picture or something like that. When you're building software to be used at hackathon or software to be used in a professional sense, 
you not only have that end case, but you also have the other case of people who are collaborating with you. And I think that's like getting the balance between the two. I think quite often it's tempting just to be like, to just focus on the end users and kind of like, and be protective about everything else. Um, but yeah. And maybe, maybe tech and we are like that because of the way industry has gone, right? Uh, in hack days, and we, I'm going to mention this word and we'll explore what the word means, but in hack days and hackathons, they're usually, we're usually trying to create open source technology, right? We may not document it the best. We may not make it easy for the steps like to follow and like replicate my project. But typically, we make it open for everybody to use. And at least when you look at, you know, you look at outside in the world, a lot of the best technology is actually not really open source. It's being commercialized. It's being privatized. It's being used as like, oh, this is my IP, even though the libraries are being sourced from here and the code's re being remixed. And... What are your thoughts on open source? And do you think there's going to be an increase in open source? Do you think we're going to become more open as, let's say, an industry and a society? Or is capitalism and the need for profit going to uh, reign supreme overall? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I like. I think in the, in the broader picture than than hackathons, I think openness and open source and transparency are absolutely vital for our future. You know, like, I think it's, it's kind of critical that we're thinking in that way. Like, so, um, I think sometimes, yeah, this is, this is human and also corporate kind of will to, to keep things closed and keep, keep things secret. Um, and, I think I can totally understand that on both those levels, like the social level of like wanting to kind of be protective of your own stuff or on a kind of business level of trying to be protect your IP, like both very valid. Unfortunately that it totally cuts out this whole possibility of letting other people embrace what you're doing and contribute to it. Um, and then, and I think that's, that's where open source obviously comes in. It's like, and um, yeah, I think doing things openly, it feels kind of counter to how people would traditionally approach publishing or building some software. But uh, yeah, if, if, if it's done that way, then it allows only good things to happen, pretty much. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah. And... I mean, your job, you're in the manufacturing vehicle space, right? And Tesla open source, I believe Tesla open source their technology. Could that be a precedent for other companies and other industries to open source? And how, if, they, if they do that, how do they make a profit? How do they make money yeah. if their technology is, you know... Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm not too sure about that that kind of side of stuff, to be honest. Um, like, because uh, yeah, I, I think I've I've heard like because Tesla they've got their open patents or something like yeah. that, or yeah, which is um, 
Yeah, I don't know if that does set precedent. Like, yeah, I, to be honest, I don't, I don't know about that. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. uh, it's, it's definitely things I think about open source. Like, I open source will make the world a better place, but how is it sustainable? You know, if if you know capitalism and that machine sustains our world and we make all the technology which you can argue that Google's technology is the differentiating factor to Yahoo and Bing and all these other search engines. It's their tech. So if they make that publicly available where any, you know, some kid in the middle of nowhere can make Google now. So what's their advantage? Yeah, so I guess for for stuff to be open and doesn't necessarily mean that you can't financially benefit from it, you know, like so and also and also by doing things open source doesn't mean that you need to put your entire platform open source, right? Like so you could have a kind of like core algorithms and stuff like that that you have yourself, but um but being open with other things can be useful. For, so, for instance, um, in the uh, autonomous tech world, there are a few kind of like open standards, like so stuff like open scenario for for kind of like plotting out where cars should be in simulations and stuff like that. And by adopting those standards, we have this kind of interoperability between systems, even though we have kind of closed source solutions to that. Yeah. So yeah, and and I'm sure a lot of those things have kind of like fallen out of proprietary systems. Yeah. And um, but it's not yeah it's not necessarily yeah so it's not it's not that I don't think the future has to be 100% open source. Like yeah. I wouldn't imagine uh, Google open source in their kind of like core search stuff or whatever like that. So it's like but um, I don't think that's that doesn't necessarily mean that there can't be open source approaches and components yeah. to the way that APIs are mm-hmm. shared and all that kind of stuff. So maybe like, like yeah. how open banking is. And... Yeah. That, that's a great example. Yeah. yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Maybe um, the core of a lot of industries, at least with data and some of the algorithms will be like the foundation, I guess. And that's good, right? For consistency. If you, if you're talking about, Let's say let's 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 say a hypothetical situation, healthcare over the world throughout the world. And all different countries are gonna approach especially during the pandemic, countries are gonna approach situations differently. But if the core let's say we're using tech in a whole new way in a hundred years, if the core is the foundation is relatively the same, like the open the algorithms are relatively the same, how things are used. It's going to be still completely different, but the foundation's the same, just like open mm-hmm. banking or yep, a lot of yep, different yep. industries. And I guess the last, the last, um, you said about constraints, outlets, and social. And for me, that's tech for me has been easy. Social and people has been the hard part for me. And. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you manage that as someone that organizes hacks, as someone that participates in hacks, and even in your in your own company and like where you're not a hundred percent 
you're not 100% the owner of the, the product and you don't make all the solutions? And how do you manage social dynamics in all these different situations? What are your thoughts and insights yeah. on that? So I think, um, so, so as I mentioned at the beginning with Rumble Hack and with a lot of hacks in the, the past, I've, I've worked together with a, uh, this guy called Ryan Brooks and he's like a good friend of mine. Yeah. Um, and I think we share the same kind of like views on this kind of stuff. So um, I think a kind of core tenet of this is uh, code of conduct. Like, so having a kind of, having that document to kind of structure socially how people react to each other. And then the second thing is having a belief in that, you know, like, so a lot of people use like have a code of conduct and it's just like, it's viewed as a kind of terms and conditions of yeah. like being part of this hack. When actually it's just like, it's so much more of that. It's like, it's yeah. how you can kind of, um, how you should be respectful of one another. And is is kind of, is so yeah, I'd say it's important to kind of make these values a kind of core part of what you're doing. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I, and uh, I'd say, yeah, for helping people, how helping kind of create an open environment, I think that that's our kind of like key thing. The other thing we try and do to make things successful is like we never ever charge for a hack. Um, so, and I think that, that, like, that's the last thing we want to put people off with. You know, like, you don't want to be like, um have a, an entry fee if possible like obviously sometimes you might need to cover particular costs but ideally you can get a sponsorship for that um but yeah so yeah trying to trying to make it easy easy as possible to kind of get people involved having said that it's like i don't i don't think i think we could be doing better you know like, i think um i i think there's a definite accessibility problem with tech industry um and i think there's a lot of kind of barriers I think we've kind of discussed quite a lot of them today, which yeah. has been really cool. But um, and I think, yeah, the whole kind of ethos of of hack hackathons and hack days are against these barriers, you know. Like, so trying to trying to work together, trying to be progressive and stuff like that. But then I think there's there's an additional barrier that happens before that, which is like getting people in the door in the first place. Um, yeah. And I think with uh, yeah with I think that's that's just a problem that we need to solve. Like maybe, um, again, is <laughs> yeah. With remote hack, we're like doing this kind of meta hack thing. Like yeah. it will be a kind of constant improvement thing. Like so, if we can if we can make that better somehow, we will. <laughs> so two two kind of themes on that, and I and when you talk about code of conduct, I think about companies. You know, I think about Uber and the the sexual assault allegations. I think about. Facebook and employees protesting all these different things they're protesting Google Apple and you know corporations do develop their code of conduct and they develop their values but you said something really important how do you about installing a belief in it how do you do that how do you install a belief into a code of conduct or values can can you um, actually do that yeah so at the beginning of our hacks we yeah. tend to have a bit of a chat about it you know like so you you kind of we we chat about it not just being a terms and conditions thing and about the kind of like the social responsibility you have as being part of this kind of collective mm-hmm. um and it's it's kind of it's one of those things like even though me and the me and ryan and some of the people who regularly attend 
definitely have this belief <laughs> you need to kind of keep on reinforcing it for for anyone kind of joining so and is this and this is yeah. is this verbal reinforcement are you consistently yeah, verbal throughout? reinforcement and through actions as well like yeah. so in the way that like i mean making sure that you're respectful to people who are there and kind of give um yeah give people yeah just not not being a jerk <laughs> so i guess yeah um yeah, I guess with with the kind of meetup events that we'd run and stuff like that, we'd make sure that you kind of, yeah, give people... I keep on saying respect, and I think it does come down to respect. You know, like, I think... So, yeah, reinforcement by yeah by talking about it and also by by actually living it <laughs> or something like that. So and then this, this is important to me because I feel like the next generation of giant companies or companies are going to impact the world will really hone hone in on respect and a true belief in the code of conduct and i would i would argue that many of the companies like that it's why it's why i asked you about how do you reinforce it verbally like i don't believe even though you will see the companies and their values and they have you know the great values that you expect them to have a lot, I don't think a lot of companies and leaders are really consistently every day, no, this is what we're about. Every single yeah. day. And then, like you said, actions too. And this is a good time to, this is a good time to see during, you know, a lot of companies are laying off employees and I, I make it sound a lot, I make it sound a lot easier than I would imagine it is. But you could have, the top tier of earners at the company really could have took a pay cut and try to extend, and maybe, yeah, things would have still ended, you know, instead of mm -hmm. six months, they could have ended in 12 months, but you still gave people some room to plan. If the top earners took a cut, if your, if your values were about family, if your values were about, you know, these kind of things that companies say their values are about. And that's why I think what you touched on about reinforcement of actions and reinforcement verbally is is yeah. that's going to be the different uh, the difference maker in a lot of companies yeah i think uh, like I, in my experience i think a lot of this is to do with the the kind of concept of a company culture or a group culture you know like so i think um it acknowledging that you have a kind of like social culture, be it a kind of a, a hacked get together with like five people, or be it a coming out hundreds of company, hundreds of people company, like acknowledging that culture is a, a thing that needs to be kind of cultivated yeah. <laughs> is important. And yeah, and yeah, that with values like so the a company I used to work in in Oxford, um, by October, uh, like at this web agency. I think one of the things that I really valued about that was that we had a strong kind of set of values that were we kind of like the guy who started the company was really good at disseminating them and and i think it is such it is such a skill to do that and i think it and it's also it's a skill but it's also it takes action you know like you can't just be like yep i know what this company is about <laughs> you know like yeah. you need to be like i'm gonna instill this within the people here uh, be that through um, chats, be it through kind of uh, presentations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the frustrating thing though is like, it kind of, as soon as you start talking about like, 
instilling company culture it sounds like a total snooze fest um, yeah. but it's like i think it, it is it, it is critical um, and yeah i think it's also yeah critical to to hack events and running those it's like kind of knowing knowing what you're kind of what culture you're trying to cultivate in people and again and again you're touching on very good points it's a skill it's something it's something you have to be disseminate and communicate but it's something you can also work on and seeing the opportunities to in like to demonstrate your values like we're talking about now mm-hmm. with the pandemic that's going on it's an opportunity to dis- demonstrate your values someone Absolutely. someone let's say i don't know they just got married or just had a kid that's an opportunity to demonstrate your values actually you know take a couple more days off or take the week off or you know we we got you i don't know you and your newly wed wife we got you a spa weekend you know and again i think that's going to be the differentiator and you touched on accessibility too and i i have it's accessibility is really really interesting for me because i i see a lot of communities that tech touches as consumers but they're obviously not in the room making decisions and I've been blessed with opportunities. But I, I grew up in East London, in Newark. There's lots of people, like, uh, uh, probably eight out of 10 people haven't been blessed with the opportunities I've been blessed with, mm. especially in technology. And accessibility is an interesting thing. How do you, and, and I'm trying to think of a way to phrase this where it's, it's fair. Do you go... Do you almost headhunt and do you just do you put your event on Eventbrite? I, I know you only have about ten people. You said and it's more it's been more of a friend thing and you're still in the early stages. So maybe rather than talking about now, let's say that grand vision you had originally, in your grand vision, would you headhunt communities like online community? You know, it might be LGBT, it might be you know high yeah. schoolers, it might be senior citizens are you headhunting all these communities and saying look come to our remote hack totally so um yeah as, as you say remote hack isn't we're not at that scale yeah. yet. like as in we're only just getting yeah. to the point we're chatting but i think that is absolutely key like the big and there's something with larger events we've done in the past we've definitely sorry actually sorry it's not that we've not done it we've, we've just basically we've not done any outreach at all <laughs> we're just like mentioned to mates and stuff but yeah it's definitely on our horizon but um i think you need to as an organizer accept your your event will be benefited by having more diversity of the attendees with it you know like so everyone kind of exists in their own little bubbles and the more of those bubbles you can kind of connect the, the better the richer your event is um and I think, uh, yeah, so outreaching to other communities and stuff like that is certainly something that is we haven't done yet. Um, but I think it's it's extremely important. And yeah, I think... <laughs> and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll share... <laughs> trying to like reach outside your own bubble is like hard. Uh, I'll share... Uh, sorry, I, I totally <laughs> rambled about that. No, it's, it's okay. You're really like having me think about the times I've reached out to bubble at, at to try and get in different bubbles and things I've done. I remember I was working on an app and I 
this is this is many many years ago and i wanted co-founders when i believed oh i need all these co-founders and i said to my friend well i grew up in a place where there's not many people doing stuff that i'm doing and the the people that i would call upon they're not going to be co-founders of this tech startup that's going to quote unquote change the world well i don't know what to do and he's basically like look you have to go to the other communities you have to go mm-hmm. to the other events if you want to meet people in the lgbt community you have to go to the lgtb events and i mentioned that community specifically because i went to the lg uh, went to a lgtb event and i'm not i'm going to be honest at first i was really uncomfortable oh and obviously it's not it's not designed for me as a straight man to be there and it shouldn't be but i had to overcome that barrier of being uncomfortable but yeah, it's, it's, it's or, or events that it's going to be predominantly women and it's mainly targeted at women or it's mainly targeted at Asian people or you have all these different groups throughout society. Totally. Yeah. No, like, like, like that's, that's great. That's, yeah. that's awesome that you, you, you did that and you kind of reached outside yeah. and, and kind of like, uh, because I think when you're organizing an event or something like that, like, um, sorry, this is such a, a huge subject. This is brilliant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah like, that's what I'm like. I'm like, we can really. I'm trying to. I'm trying to hold myself back. I'm like, we can really talk about this a lot. Developers, developers, developers. Developers, developers, developers. Developers, developers, developers. Developers, developers, developers.